This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Watching the shit go down in Afghanistan, I was reminded lately of every conversation I've ever had with an immigrant, almost all of which, if we got to really talking, included the notion, oh, you people have no idea. All you do is bitch about and badmouth your own country, but if you knew about the country I came from, you'd stop shitting on your own. And I, I encourage everybody... Go look at Bill Maher's monologue. I don't watch his show. You know, for the most part, it's just, you know, for his to his credit, he'll have an Ann Coulter or have a Republican on. He'll let them talk. But you know where his agenda is. So, I'm so you know, that's a show I don't have to watch. It's on HBO. Who knows when it's on? His monologues have been so penetrating and so appropriate because it's who he is. He's a left-wing liberal who can't recognize left-wing liberals. He said, you know what, uh, on Gutfeld. He came out and said, Gutfeld's now number one. This guy, Greg Gutfeld, is now number one in late nights. So he says, I watched him, and he's funny. And the people always asked him, why don't conservatives have their own go-to guy? Why is it all the liberals are the ones who are the, who are the, uh, the big-time comedians and talk show hosts? He goes, because the liberals aren't really great fodder. You know, Nancy Pelosi, you might not like her, but she's not great comedy. That's it, in Bill Maher's opinion. He says, but now we have provided great comedy. The great comedy is we want to take Lincoln's name off schools. We're taking down statues of Teddy Roosevelt. I'm saying to myself, he sounds like us. He sounds like a normal American with different views on policies, not what we're seeing now. People who hate America and despise the country and want to get into education at every level and change our history. Mike Huckabee is a guy that might be astounded if you listen to some of Bill Maher's monologues. Because, Governor, I think you probably agree with 80% of it. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Brian. I've been on Bill's show many times, and I've always found him that he treated me respectfully and kindly. I mean, he would jab at me and have some fun at my expense, but I expected that. Here's what I always have respected about Bill Maher. He is who he is. There's no pretense about it. He doesn't take a poll to find out what he needs to believe this week. His convictions, they're not mine, but they really are his, and he sticks by him, and that's refreshing. Actually, Brian, Bill Maher is a classic liberal, the likes of which we see in a guy like Alan Dershowitz, how the ACLU used to be, who defended free speech, who defended, defended free expression, who did have a different political bent, but who loved America, just loved it maybe a little differently than some of us, yeah. but loved it nonetheless and appreciated what freedom meant to them. He's like, people are hanging off a cargo jet in an effort to get here. Does that tell you anything? He goes, and and I've always said this, for those people who don't like America, I say travel. And if you find another place that's better, stay. But you won't. If you're honest, you won't. You'll have new appreciation and come back and see what about, see in this country you want to get better, go do it. But you don't start by ripping it and saying how inadequate you are for you and your family. 
You know, Brian, I've been to probably 60, 70 countries around the planet, maybe more. I don't know. I've traveled a lot. And one of the things I've always said is I've seen some beautiful things, architecture, natural beauty, wonderful cultures, great cuisine, uh, astounding museums. But I've yet to be at a place where I said, I'll tell you, this is such a wonderful place. I'll trade my American citizenship for it. Never, ever, ever. And it's interesting that if we end up ever being able to build a wall, it's to somehow keep people out we don't want in. It's not to keep people in that we don't want to let out. We're the only country in the history of mankind who has welcomed people of every language, culture, ideology, faith, and said, you're welcome to come to America. But it's a melting pot where we melt from uh, all of the things that separate us to the things that unite us. Out of many, we become one. That's who we are. And Bill Maher understands that. And I think a lot of liberals understand it, but they've been quiet because they don't want to be called a racist or uh, some kind of xenophobe. The truth is it's time for uh, all Americans from the what I would call the center left and from the right to stand up and in unison tell these people from the far left wacky world, we're sick of this stuff you guys have put on us. You're not representing the best of America. And we kind of like to get back where we can live with freedom and diversity, but real diversity. So what do we do now, Governor? In your lifetime, you know, we hear about these rumors of America's left behind in Vietnam. There was POWs. There wasn't. There was big debate on these secret prisons. Now we're saying flat out we got it from uh, we got it from Jake Sullivan as well as Secretary of State Blinken between 250 and 350 Americans left behind. And we're leaving. We are leaving, not military men caught war fighting in a war. We're talking about people over there doing humanitarian things or who are married to an Afghan, and they said you could come out, but your family can't. I mean, can you wrap your head around this? I'm telling you right now, you would not defend Donald Trump if he did this. No, I, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, and Joe Biden, he, all he's interested in is getting out on the Taliban's clock. I guess that's why he was looking at his watch yesterday at Dover when the bodies were being transferred. He wanted to make sure that, you know, he wasn't going to miss anything. Uh, the, the tragedy here is that the only people who seem to care about those Americans who are, and let me use the word, that Jen Psaki took such umbrage to when Peter Ducey mentioned it to her, the word stranded. 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 These people are stranded. But here's what gives me great sense of hope and optimism about America. We've got veterans, former special forces people who on their own are going over into Afghanistan, risking their lives with not a dime of government paycheck money. They're going over there and they're going to try to get these people out. I don't know if they're going to be able to succeed, but I'll tell you what, it's a shame when our own government leaves behind about $100 billion worth of high-grade weaponry, and then we've got to go and beg, borrow, and steal to get some volunteers to go in and try to get our people out from the clutches of some of the most dangerous extremist terrorists that have ever existed in human history. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, fascinating. Anthony Blinken, too, says, that, don't worry, we're not leaving them behind. Listen to what he says. Uh, I mean, in Try to listen to what he says. It's not easy. Cut 10. Nothing has been promised to the Taliban. Uh, To the contrary, uh, we have made very clear, and not just us, country upon country around the world have made clear that there are very significant expectations of the Taliban going forward if 
uh, they're going do, to uh, have any kind of relationship with the with the rest of the world. Do you believe? Do, I mean, do you believe this guy? Does he think we haven't been watching this for twenty years? He thinks they want a relationship with the rest of the world and that we're going to hold them accountable? Are you crazy? They just dragged the interior minister, the Afghan interior minister, through the streets and then shot him dead. Do you think they're worried about the rest of the world perception? They've never been worried about the perception. They're proud of what they ought to be ashamed of. That's what Westerners don't understand about uh, the Taliban and all of these folks on the uh, extreme ends of uh, the Islamic faith who really do want to take all of culture back to the 7th century. These are not people who want to modernize. They want the opposite. They want women to be subjugated, to be property, no less than a herd of cattle. Uh, They want children not to be educated unless they're educated or indoctrinated into their uh, crazy policies. Uh, When I was in Afghanistan and I visited there back in 2005, I honestly thought I was in the land of the Flintstones because this was before some of the advances and the improvements had happened. There was no infrastructure. Women were still uh, scared to come out. Uh, even the, the American personnel were living in very tightly controlled compounds. Uh, say what you want, but our presence there had really opened up opportunities and a sense of freedom. And a lot of those younger people, the only Afghanistan they knew was one in which there was an emerging sense of freedom. Now all that's gone, and what they're going to see is bloodshed in their streets. And if you disagree with them, uh, they don't just keep you from getting a job like they do in America. They take you in the street and they shoot you in front of your neighbors to say, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't go along with us. And you're talking about when you're talking about those groups that are helping on the outside, Scott Mann, who's running this Pineapple Express group, who is in a third country, he's a uh, long-term a long-term special operator with others. He says even reporters are helping him out and military veterans to put together their own group and their own money, put their careers on hold, and started getting people out. He said, we were getting calls yesterday from the most higher-up people in the State Department to get their people out. He said, I cannot believe I'm getting this call. He goes, I can't reveal the name. But I imagine it's almost like a deputy secretary of state or an undersecretary somewhere. They can't do it. So Americans are rallying to the cause But I got to ask you about something else. Do you think in retrospect Donald Trump was wrong even to engage with the Taliban uh, three years ago? You know, I've heard Mike Pompeo discuss the manner in which they engaged, and it was very different in that they uh, didn't negotiate. They basically told him, we're willing to leave, but here's what you have to do. And if you fail to live up to the agreement, uh, then we're going to destroy you. Now, can you ever trust that the Taliban will live up to any agreement? I think the answer is no. So maybe we were a little naive in thinking that Afghanistan was just going to become a peaceful, wonderful democracy and the Taliban would uh, simply go off into the mountains of Pakistan and the remote reaches of Afghanistan and leave all the other people alone. That probably was never going to happen. But the real problem is not just that we got out, but that we got out by taking our military first leaving our civilians, having no realistic plan, and then letting the Taliban, these murderous terrorists, let them set the terms of when we would get out, how we would get out, and being so stupid as to leave an arsenal behind of high-developed weapons that now are going to be used to kill Americans, and the blood is going to be on the hands of these guys and the Joint Chiefs and the Secretary of State and, yes, the President of the United States, for not scuttling that equipment if they couldn't bring it home.
So some of the play-by-play on what happened is so infuriating. Friday afternoon before Kabul fell, the White House was starting to empty out. Many senior staffers were taking their first vacation. The Secretary of State was in the Hamptons. Saturday, the fall of Mazari Sharif. Evidently, that was supposed to be a cornerstone of when the Afghans were very uh, well-armed and they had all the success there. Well, the anti-Taliban forces melted. So with Mazari Sharif gone, that should have been a go sign that the Kabul was in trouble, but no one picked up on it. In a conference call with the president and his top security aides that day, Lloyd Austin called for an immediate relocation of all embassy personnel to the Kabul airport. He was worried about it. It got invaded. But he said, I brought forces in to protect the embassy. Then he emptied the embassy and put them totally vulnerable with stack tables at an airport. Then throughout the day, Biden remained resolute in his decision to withdraw all troops, despite the fact that Kabul was being zeroed in on. Now, Mohammed Bauerdor, the guy that we got out of prison that actually Trump did, said he stood outside Kabul. He contacted the Americans and said the ministries are coming apart. Either you secure Kabul or we will. McKenzie, aware of the orders from Biden, told Barador the U.S. mission was only to evacuate American citizens, Afghan allies and others. The United States needed the airport, nothing else. Governor Huckabee, how many mistakes can you make in the shortest period of time? I think that's a new record. Uh, This whole operation, I think, is going to be studied in the War College at West Point in decades to come. Uh, There will be many, many books written about how there was a complete collapse of common sense uh, as well as military strategy when it came to our exit from Afghanistan. And the worst of it is we've lost American lives. You know, I'm I'm upset that we walked away from an $800 million embassy that we built, that we left all the records. And the Taliban are in control. I'm sick about $100 billion worth of military hardware. But the saddest of all is there are going to be 13 funerals this week for young people who had their whole lives in front of them and shouldn't have and wouldn't have died had they had people upstream from them who had the capacity right. or the will to make good decisions. I'm embarrassed about that. I am and saddened, obviously. Here is a little bit more from uh, I want to end how we started. Listen. Have a little perspective about the stuff we howl about here. I'm sorry your professor said something you didn't like. That won't be a problem with the Taliban because you're not allowed to go to school. In Saudi Arabia, grown women can be jailed for doing the kind of things we think of as routine without the permission of a male guardian. China rounds you up if you're the wrong religion and puts you in camps. More children in Burkina Faso work than are in school. Only 5% of Burundians have electricity. The homicide rate in Honduras is eight times what it is here. The inflation rate in Venezuela is 2,719%. The Philippines, in the last five years, has put to death 27,000 low-level drug dealers. My old job. In North Korea, people starve to death. The only people who starve here are doing it for a role. And the only people who have no water live in California. You know what he means. Just final thought on that, Governor, real quick. It's, it's sad when we have to turn to a left-wing comedian to get the truth. But herein, Bill Maher has said in that very monologue more about why we ought to love America than most any conservative speaker I've heard in the last 10 years. And I salute him for it. I'm glad it came from the left. 
I'm glad that someone on the other side of the aisle can appreciate that America is an exceptional, wonderful, amazing country, and that we ought to every day with tears in our eyes get on our knees, not to protest the flag, but to thank God it's standing there. I'm just grateful that somebody Mm -hmm. said it, and it had to be him. Thank God for him. And I know he doesn't believe in God. But I'll thank God for him anyway. Well, I'll just say this. If it's going to stop, it has to start at the left. It's sad, but I think it's true because people expect the right to push back, but they don't expect that. And finally, some sanity. Thanks so much, Governor. Great piece. Great great segment. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Go get him. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.